Ah, yes, friends. On a Friday, OGP, one giant podcast where, as you know, I'm Adam Armbrecht, your host here and covering the Brooklyn Nets on the Locked On Nets podcast with my host, Doug Norrie. Feel free to check that out as they ramp up through their offseason and head towards a championship run, as we all know. And over there, the generational New York football Giants fan, the healthy, the wealthy, the the wise and well-rested Mr. Andrew Makowitz. How are we, sir? Just got back from VK Adam, feeling good, drove by, met life on my on my way in on Route 3. Uh, stadium looked, uh, looked nice from the outside. I, it just gets me fired up for football season every time I go by it. It's all that we want. Yeah, you're up. You're right up there by the stadium. So I think that, that, that that's a nice little benefit. Probably not in the off season so much, right? When we're talking about like zero happening pre pre draft and pre any of those things, you're just driving by, going like it's almost like an empty blob in some ways. And then it starts to percolate. It starts to get a little bit exciting. Um, the interesting thing that we want to get into here. Obviously, you had a, a day off there in between. So on Wednesday, I covered some of the news and notes, the releases. Uh, you know, Alfred Morse's of the world and the like, but between, <laughs> I'm going to give you one brief moment here because I addressed this uh, over on Twitter, but I went, I went back in my mind and I remembered where you once upon a time felt about a particular player. Andy, you have 30 seconds here. Were you, or were you not pro giants picking up Josh Rosen following his release from the San Francisco 49ers? Uh, well, I was Josh Rosen picking him up a year ago. I don't know necessarily if I'm pro Josh Rosen now, but I do think that if you're saying bring in Josh Rosen as a third string quarterback to compete with Thorson to see if he can make the roster, why not? Sure. But I will say, and and very sneaky of you to, to bring this up, is that I, I always thought that he'd be at least a, a a starting quarterback in this league, and over the you know since 2019 things have not panned out for Josh Rosen. Um, but I honestly would have no problem if the Giants pick him up and see if he wants to compete for a roster spot because Mike Lennon hasn't looked good, and Thorson certainly did not look good the other night. Well, as we know, you've been on vacation. I'm going to give you that. We know that Thorson was already excommunicated from this team and they replaced oh, him. Oh yeah. Lurky who, who hasn't, who hasn't started get, with the lure lurky. Yes. Uh, but um, yeah, well, you're wrong on that, obviously. And this guy's career is clearly over. He's, he is, as I, as I said, in the comparison, check out the stats, man. I mean, this guy is borderline, just barely above Jamarcus Russell in terms of what he accomplished early in his career. It's not a knock on him. It's just the reality. Not everyone's a hit. And this guy was clearly a miss. We digress though. The other things that I want to touch on before we get into what I think is obviously, I don't think it, I know it. The offensive line is the biggest talking point of this offseason as it's been for the New York football giants for <laughs> the last decade, let's say, uh, timidly. But injury-wise for this team, the Giants are currently in joint practices. They'll have their second one today with the Cleveland Browns before playing them in their second preseason game on Sunday. Uh, guys like Kenny Galladay, who is nursing a hamstring, he did some stuff on the side uh, during the first practice. He's not going to play. Uh, Kadarius Tony unsure what they're labeling a potential injury or concern around him. He's not going to play uh, Saquon doing some things by himself a little bit. Obviously, we didn't expect him to play this preseason, even if he was healthy. Um, any concerns just around a couple of these guys? Shane Lemieux is working his way back. Looks, I, I don't, I don't know if they said yet if he would play Sunday, but he's basically on the timeline dealing with that knee that they had said a couple of weeks from when it happened. Anything around these pieces that uh, ring a ding ding sends up alarm bells? For me, it's what's going on with Kadarius Tony, man. Like everyone was excited, 
you know, they talk about, you know, quote unquote, the human joystick can put him anywhere, can put him in all these cool situations, gives his exotic looks to the defense. We haven't seen any of that because he hasn't been out there. Like he just hasn't been part of this team. And, and Adam, it, it feels different when you're talking about a guy like him, because this offseason has been a little wonky with him, like being in and out, not even for injuries, like getting late to camp. Like there's all these things surrounding Tony where you're just like, huh, this is like not a good start to everything. And what I will say is if he was like an X receiver speed down the field, just get the ball up in the air to him and let him run underneath it and catch it. Probably a little bit of a less concern if he's not in camp, but the problem, but the problem is that's not who he is. It's all these like schematic, interesting plays to get the ball in his hands and understand where blocking is and where he needs to be and, and how it looks. And those are, take a little bit of repetition. You need, you need, you need everyone harmoniously working towards that, you know, third and short where they give him a little bubble screen. Like it feels like they're trying to figure things out. I, I think of all the people, that one gives me the biggest concern right now. Well, and it's funny too because when you think about the roster overall, right? Then it, it it impacts how many wide receivers you think maybe you need to carry going into the season. He's supposed to also be a part of the return game, so now. CJ boards of the world, right? Even John Ross. Now you're saying, well, maybe we need to carry one of them into the season to make sure we're okay in this space around Kadarius Tony. It, it, I'm not overly concerned about it because the idea of that's why you still have Sterling Shepard. You're, you know, expecting to bring along Tony and have him have an impact at some point in the season. But I, I would prefer obviously to have him in camp and working. You throw him into the, the rookie kind of group here. You know, you have Robinson who's been dealing with his injuries. You have uh, Ellerson Smith dealing with his injuries as well. Aziz Ojolari has been out there, which is good. Um, it's a small sample size in the last preseason game. It's interesting to see uh, whether or not um, the the Giants are trying to push Aziz in the preseason and really get a sample, or uh, again this this sense of steady as she goes because. So much hinges on if Aziz is really strong and getting after the passer this year, then all of a sudden, I think I mentioned this a little bit on Wednesday, all of a sudden this team takes a new dynamic at the second level of that defense, right? And now it becomes even more explosive and more dangerous with with as confident as a lot of people are around the secondary for Big Blue. So uh, he's the only guy, though, <laughs> the rookie class right. who's out there giving you reps. So I, I think from that standpoint, it's a little bit tricky right now because – we know that th this draft class was supposed to be supplementing a lot of what we're doing. The only difference being coming in, we also maybe thought that the draft class was going to be comprised of different positions, right? We didn't necessarily think a third round pick was going to be on a cornerback. So maybe it's a little bit further down. I'll also say to me, Kenny Galladay is, is the, is a really big concern just from the standpoint of, I know they're, they're just being cautious with him and that's fine, but not unlike Tony, you're not getting reps. So you're not getting a rhythm with, with Daniel Jones as much as you might like. And, you did come off of an injury in Detroit and now you're here and you're getting paid big money and you're supposed to be the game changer for this offense and you're not there. So someone had said it on Twitter at one point, like no Saquon Barkley right now, no Kenny Galladay right now, no Kadarius Tony right now. Like all of a sudden we find ourselves right back where we were last year talking about the weapons that Daniel Jones doesn't have to work with. And to that end, another player that has not been on the field and the Dave Gettleman presser happened uh, early in the week, along with John Mara, and they asked him about Kyle Rudolph and the situation there. They said the Giants went in with open eyes, understood what it was going to be. It was a handshake agreement when they when they offered him the contract. It's what Kyle Rudolph liked about the Giants, and yet he has not been on the field. There is a path for them. They can get, I think, almost all the money back, basically, if it turns out that it's an injury that prevents Kyle Rudolph from being able to play. So 
financially. It's not a, I'll say, Devontae Booker situation, as some Giants fans have been a little bit upset by. But how concerning is this injury from the standpoint of, again, weapons on the field for Daniel Jones? Well, I, I think Get, you know Gettleman kind of doubled down, and he said, we honored the agreement because our doctors were confident Kyle would be fine following the procedure. So basically, Gettleman's like, I'm absolving myself of any any responsibility <laughs> here. Like, it, I don't know how you could read it any other way. He's like, doctor said he was good. What do you want me to do? We already had offered him the contract. It's like, well, okay. Like, it, just know that there was this potential. Like, obviously, he's getting some type of major surgery that's not a couple days. It's mm. weeks or months for him to get back on the field. This could happen. And Dave, let's just know that you, you'll be scrutinized if he's not out on the field. We haven't seen him at all. You know, what they're saying is if he can't get off the the pup list, the phys- physically unable to perform list, then he immediately is going to miss the first six games of the season. Yeah. And for a guy on a two-year contract, that's not insignificant, right? Like he's missing, he's missing a third of the se- of the season right out of the gate. And and we're paying him six million dollars a year. That could have gone to ahem, maybe fixing other areas that are a little bit of a challenge right now. I think that that's the biggest question about, you know, where money got spent, right? If everyone comes in healthy, you can include Kenny Galladay and all these things. In it. And then we're going to get into the bulk of this episode, the offensive line here in a second. But that that's, I think, kind of the point, right? Okay, is it nice to have Kyle Rudolph? We talked about what he was going to bring to the table and how we thought, listen, given sometimes our opinion of Evan Ingram and some of his shortcomings, hey, at least when you get to the red zone, you know that what Kyle Rudolph does is catch the ball. If that's the case, we've now lost one of those players. We've now lost one of those reliable targets. It does <clears throat> low level make some room for Rice and John on the active fifty three heading into week one season. I'm, 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 I'm love. Really, I, yeah, you're start. You're starting to get in on this. I like this. I like I'm this a lot. Adam, I have a question. Yeah, that's what happens now. Yeah. A, a quick question for you is: are, We talk about Galladay not being around. We talk about Rudolph. The way that you know Gettleman and Joe Judge had a vision of this team of what it was going to look like on the field with all these different weapons, and the way that you know they they. Um, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson no longer here to be able to spend the money in other places. The vision hasn't come to fruition yet. And I'm not someone that's going to be immediately like ringing the sounding the alarm panic button saying this team is going to go, uh, you know, three and 14 this year. Mm-hmm. But, but it is concerning. Like what's your level of concern at the fact that none of these guys are out there. We have no idea what this finished product looks like. And we're only two and a half weeks away from when it's it's showtime. Yeah, I hesitate to do it in this moment. Like if this is going towards the last preseason game next week, if it's if it's next Friday and you haven't seen some positive notes around some of these players, then I'll, I think it'll be even that much more concerning. Now, overall, though, just in the big picture, like you say, when you go out and you spend like this, like. I mean, Dalvin Tomlinson's a healthy guy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, it, wasn't, right. it wasn't like there were concerns around him per se. Like you went in and took took some chances on whether it's a guy with an injury history like Kenny Galladay, an older veteran tight end like Rudolph. You bring in a Dory Jackson. And, and we, we talked about it at the time, right? Okay, all these things are great. And it's almost that what if, right? What if you, though, brought back Dalvin Tomlinson and you couldn't bring in Kenny Galladay, but you could still get a Dory Jackson. And then maybe you'd look to get an offensive lineman, you know, all of these scenarios of what would be the best version at the same time. We're only asking that because of what's occurred, right? In a world where this didn't happen, we'd still be saying great signing by of Kyle Rudolph. And that's probably the biggest one to me, the question, if you knew coming in about what was going to be necessary for him with that injury, but Kenny Galladay, I, I don't, I'm not going to you know balk at that right now. I'm not going to balk at moving on necessarily from Dalvin Tomlinson. So 
I'm not there yet. I, I think the last preseason game is going to be the big telltale for me and specifically to turn our attention to the big the big topic of the offseason. It's the offensive line. If the offensive line is ready to go when you get to week three, then that's going to change my perspective on it as well. And Shane Lemieux, knee injury, he's working back. They said a couple of weeks. He's pretty close to getting back on the field. This is where you and I think are going to have a pretty big difference of opinion because all this talk right now, including Art Stapleton, well-regarded, it covers the New York Giants. He threw out the other day, let's start with this. He said, when you look at this roster and you understand you have a gluttony at certain positions, a player like Darnay Holmes, a player like Darius Slayton, you could take these players and trade them for an offensive lineman. What would your stance be on a move like that? Well, okay, so let's take a step back before we even address what Art Art Stapleton had said because I I think it's a very interesting thought behind it. The first thing is the the fact that we haven't seen Kadarius Toney really on the field yet and see what he brings to the table, but we're seeing what's happening with the offensive line right now makes it even more – you know, there's more emphasis on like, why did we do the things that we did in the offseason, right? Like you haven't seen the explosiveness from Tony. So you don't get that like, whoa, this is why we decided to take a wide receiver in the first round after spending almost $20 million a year on the, on the premier free agent wide receiver. So like that, that's the hardest part to me is you don't even, you don't even see like you bought the big sports car, but now you're riding the bike to work. Because the the sports car still hasn't come in yet, right? Well, that, that's that, that, that's a, that's a good point, right? Like if if you see the the fruits of of your labor of where you spent draft capital on the field, then it's easier to say, what about this other area that maybe has an, a need to address? That that's a, that is a good point you bring up, and I think Giants fans would feel differently if you said, but look at the sexy plays that Kadarius Tony's out there making. Like who cares? If um, he bro- if he broke a reverse in in week one preseason and took it to the house for seventy yards, you'd be like. Who cares about the offensive line? If that guy's going to do that every game, like what, what does it even matter, right? And like, so I, how about how about I'm, if it was just him doing the twelve, the twelve yard instead of CJ Board? Even if it was just right, for the twelve right, yards, it would have right. been like, but it's Kadarius Tony doing it. That right. that, that means something. CJ right, Board, like, <laughs> it's fine. But so so Adam, I you know, and and I will bring myself to Art Art's question later. The, this the Giants have put their chips all in on this this offensive line as they thought it would be starting in February, right? Like they haven't made any changes to the plan when the season ended, they knew that they were going to get rid of Zeitler because his contract was cost prohibitive. And when you think about the money that changed hands, they basically got rid of Zeitler and in the offseason were able to get a Dory Jackson, mm-hmm. similar types of money. So you can kind of say not necessarily like for like, but similar in, in that fashion. But when, when you look at what the giants have done, they go out and spend $20 million on a wide receiver. They release their arguably best offensive lineman from last year to save some cap space. They go out in the first round and they draft another wide receiver to address the wide receiver position. In the offseason, their big signing is a Dory Jackson. They don't sign any offensive lineman to more than a $2.5-$3 million deal, which was Zach Fulton, and he's now been retired since the last time we spoke. So, like, the Giants really are putting all of their chips in on this offensive uh, offensive line that they believe will grow together. Yeah. And so Art Stapleton does bring up a good question. Like if, if no, you doesn't. were to t- this is the point, like, no, he doesn't because th- th- like you just made, like, cause you just said you could, you can debate about whether or not you believe in Thomas and Gates and Pert and whether or not you believe in Shane Lemieux, right? 
Will Hernandez, like when they when they signed Fulton, it was not Zeitler's out, Fulton's the new starter. Fulton was brought in to compete because the Giants also still looked at a guy like Will Hernandez, who, by the way, Dan Dugan just said he's been having a very strong camp, looked good in these practices. And theoretically, you can say that, hey, just like with quarterbacks, turnover at offensive coordinators and offensive line coaches. Last year, when they made the switch off of Colombo, you saw even the rookies start to improve and get better. So did Will Hernandez. So maybe he's having a bounce back here, and the Giants have a little more confidence in him than we perceived from the outside. But the point is, is the Giants came in saying it's Thomas Lemieux, Gates, now Hernandez. Could have been folded, but Hernandez and Pert. That's the offensive line. So the only thing that's changed this offseason is they need depth. None of the guys, everyone else, if you came into this year and everybody was healthy, Fulton wasn't, didn't get, didn't retire. They brought in Looney. Okay. And he's still there too. What's, what, what's different? All the level of confidence that we talked about with liking this offensive line is still there. The only thing you lack is some depth behind it. So when you talk about taking your fifth round pick, when you, when you overachieve by finding a diamond in the rough in the fifth round, and you think that he could benefit substantially from now being on the field with Galladay and Shepard and Tony and all these other weapons, you're going to go ahead and cast him away to bring in an offensive lineman. And what is your intention? You're going to bring him into what? Start over Shane Lemieux? Start over Will Hernandez? Like, if the you, you want to give me a name that's out there that says you can go achieve it, but guess what? You're not trading away a guy making no money on the books for a player making a lot of money on the books to come in and do it. And you're not getting a starting caliber over the line of what you have right now without it costing you some money or taking a real flyer on a veteran talent that's been around the league, et cetera, et cetera. So like, I just don't, I don't, I don't understand the level of panic when what you're talking about is we need depth. And guess what? Universally throughout the league, if you lose one or two offense, offensive linemen starting on your team, your season is going to be affected. Go back to last year in the Super Bowl, right? Kansas City had a problem because they lost their starters. You don't have replaceable depth like that when it comes to the offensive line. Uh, understand where your position is, Adam. I'm in a completely different headspace than you are because of two things that you mentioned. One is you think that we need depth. I wholeheartedly disagree that that is what the Giants need. The Giants need better starters. On the offensive line, I have been. Oh, so who don't it, you like? You don't like Thomas. I don't like Will Hernandez. That's I don't know how many. Guy. So that's the only I, guy you don't like, though, right? Because you like Shane Lemieux. I think that Shane Lemieux graded out very poorly last year. I thought his play was better than what he got graded out at. Sure. If you're telling me that we're 100% convinced that he is a starting offensive lineman, offensive guard, like, if he is a starting guard in this league and you're saying you, I am willing to put significant amount of money on it, then that's fine because I'm not there yet with, with Shane Lemieux. I like what I've seen. I think he has the toughness that we'd like to see across the guard position. But both of our guards, to me, are massive, massive question marks that I don't think you could immediately say today they are starting guards in this league. No, that, that's fair, by the way, because Shane Lemieux, like, I like Shane Lemieux. I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and say I think that he's, you know, pro bowler Shane Lemieux. And, and that is fair. The, the other thing, though, and this is more of a, a universal perspective. When you go around the league, you don't look at offensive lines and say, hey, stud, 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 stud. What you end up saying is like, hey, are our bookends really are our bookends really strong? OK, is our center, you know, solid like and that, this is just more the global perspective of. It's not that you're looking for five elite starting offensive linemen. Some teams have been able to pull that off over the years. 
But usually what ends up happening is when you have quality at a couple, you know, two to three positions, and we'll say three is the goal, then you fill in in between them with respectable play, right? And this goes back to the Will Hernandez piece of last year. He hasn't been respectable, though. Yeah, that's the problem, right? 100%, right. Like, but you go back to last year, and again, I'll say early in the year. So go back the last two years for Will Hernandez. And this isn't making excuses for him. The, the play has been poor. He's dropped a little bit of weight this offseason. Just looks like he's a little bit little bit better shape and, and a little bit more in tune with what they want to do. Last two years, he had alongside of him. On the left, he had Nate Solder in a steep decline in his career. And then on the right, he had Jalapio, sometimes Spencer Pulley. The following year, you get Nick Gates, first year at a new position uh, on the inside. And you get rookie Andrew Thomas, who struggles mightily at the start of the season. It's not an excuse for Will Hernandez, but I think what it, what it is saying is if you expect him to be a solid, solid, serviceable guard, then you have to then say alongside of him what you need is solid to slightly above, right, performances. And I think that Nick Gates and T- Andrew Thomas, all reports are that Andrew Thomas is playing very solid ball in the offseason, in training camp, right? And that, and I know when we say first-round pick, high draft pick, like, is solid good enough? Just take, except the fact that he's playing well, right? Like, let's yes. not set the Pro Bowl standards just yet. That's why I think you've seen him look stronger, even when they move him now around to the right side. So all these things are happening in conjunction. I think the unfortunate element is that we suffered through so many bad offensive lines that even now in this moment, when it is going in the right direction, the fan base is still so hungry for it that it's like, maybe you need to make this big swing move. And the other piece that I'll say, just in regards to the way Art laid it out, In either one of those options, I I know you can make the case moving one of those players would not be the end of the world. But we just said, Kenny Galladay has been injured. Kadarius Toney has not been on the field. So you want to say in this moment right now, let's trade Darius Slayton. And then when we look at our our roster as it's currently constituted, we're going to the regular season saying, let's assume Kenny Galladay is healthy. We have Galladay, we have Shepard. And then what? John Ross out there on the other side? Like, you're talking about a significant drop-off from Darius Slayton to John Ross or to CJ Board. Maybe it's Sills who's been having a good camp, but there's still going to be a little bit of a difference there. And maybe the Sills performance impacts that. On the Darnay home side, just quickly, again, you haven't had Aaron Robinson out there. So now you want to go ahead and say, you know what? Let's trade away Darnay Holmes, who's been having a pretty solid camp, and we just drafted this kid because we know Aaron Robinson is maybe going to come along. So let's just assume that Robinson's back and he's healthy. If Robinson isn't, now all of a sudden you're running out your sixth-round pick in Williams and saying, play the best you can, plucky upstart, because we need to fill in a hole that we just created for ourselves. Yes, but but Adam, I think so of, I, in this situation, it's the lesser of two evils. You're like, let's hope that like these guys are healthy and that Aaron, Aaron Robinson comes around and Rodarius Williams looks good. Like let, Let's just hope, and we're kind of putting our fingers crossed, or the other piece of it is, let's just hope that when we put Shane Lemieux in there for Kenny Wiggins, that this offensive line is good. Like, it, it will keep Daniel Jones upright. It will allow Saquon Barkley to flourish. Like, which one, to me, is more likely? I'd say that, like, our secondary being as strong as it is, one of these other guys showing up is probably a better chance than just plugging in Shane Lemieux. And this line all of a sudden being a top 20 line in the NFL as opposed to a bottom five line. But the other, but the other big piece, and this is, it's all about balance to me, and and understanding that Sills is having a all all intents and purposes is having a great camp right now. People are saying he looks good. They want to find a way to get him on the roster. You have John Ross who brings a different dimension. You got CJ Board who's who's killing it on special teams and and is obviously a favorite of Joe Judge. It you know Darius Slayton as much as I like him 
if you think about if we were to remove Darius Slayton from the equation and get a top 60 offensive guard in the league, which means just a starting guard in this league, would you say who, who that? Who is it though? Who is it? Tell me who's the who is the starting caliber guard that's in the league right now that another team doesn't need starting at guard for them. Like that's kind of the point. Like, well, but, yes, but let's, Adam, let's Adam. a fifth round Darius Slayton pick who's a third wide receiver on our roster if everyone's healthy. Let's go trade him to a team, and that that team in return is going to say, "Hey, for what? At best, at best, Darius Slayton, you know, would be a number two. And I'm not trying to knock him, but it's like he is a quality player. But I'm saying. You're, at best, he'd be a number two on a bad team, maybe. And a bad team isn't going to trade away a starting right guard, a starting left guard for a number two wide receiver because it's not going to help them in their endeavor. Like a rebuilding team isn't going for Darius Slayton, right? Agreed. A championship level team at best is going to look at him as being the, the piece that gets them over the top, but he's still probably going to be the third on their depth chart unless they have some weird glaring hole or an injury comes up. But teams don't have two starting guards on the left side that they go, oh, <laughs> It's crazy, man. We had this extra starting caliber guard that we can just throw out there to get back a wide receiver. It's just that's the other side of this, too, is you need someone that wants to trade for Darius Slayton saying, like, we'll trade you Darnay Holmes. OK, like who, who said who who's knocking down your door for Darnay Holmes right now? Yeah, well, Adam, but you you seem to forget. And, and while it's different positions, the Giants did this exact thing two years ago. They did it two years ago. They traded Olivier Vernon for Kevin Saylor. That's what they did. And and Vernon wasn't a it's such a different Vernon wasn't, that was financial. The, that that, that this, there was so much tied financially to that. And also both of those players were a like for like caliber. That's kind of the point that I'm making. If you take Darnay Holmes, you take Darius Slayton, you want to trade him for a guard, you're going to get a backup competition guard in the room. That's what you're going to get. You're not getting it. This is a plug and play guard. I you're disagree. Because because let's say you, other teams who have developed their offensive line have different guys that are a little bit younger and they say, we could save 50 cents on the dollar or we want to see what this guy has because this guy's going to be a free agent. We really need to address the wide receiver room. We have a number one, but we don't really have anyone competent around there. Those are the types of teams that we're going to be looking at in order to try to see if we can make make a trade. For me, the idea is if if we keep the roster as is, we have no, we don't know what's going on in the guard room. You talked about depth. That's part of it. I still don't even know if we have the competent starters at guard that we need. When you look at the wide receiver room, we're going to have to let Austin Mack go to the practice squad. We're going to have to let Dante Pettis go. So one of the combination of CJ Board and David Sills is not going to be on this roster unless we cut John Ross in the offseason. It feels like the depth is in the wide receiver room. And like as much as I like Darius Slayton and as, as, as down the field explosive as he can be, if you said to me we we would remove Darius Slayton from the starting lineup and put David Sills in that spot, and you could get me a starting caliber guard to to either replace Will Hernandez or if Shane Lemieux is not ready and healthy, put it there. I like that setup way better because we're going to have to release one of these wide receivers anyway. Let's get some kind of value for it. Yeah, but but I know, but you're talking about releasing one of these wide receivers. You're, the receivers you're talking about releasing are not the receivers you're talking about trading. You're talking about trading a player that's not remotely on the cut list or bubble list. And just real quick here, on a side note about the Olivier Vernon trade, remember, they traded Olivier Vernon to the Cleveland Browns in exchange for Kevin Zeitler. Like, Olivier Vernon was a Pro Bowl caliber player that didn't fit into the system and the scheme for the New York football Giants. The Giants also sent a fourth-round pick to the Cleveland Browns and got a fifth-round pick in, in exchange back. 
So they also created extra value there as well. So now listen, the Giants have draft capital in next year's draft. They could afford to throw in an extra pick, but it's not going to be the one for one. Like the whole point is you were trading a Pro Bowl caliber defensive player for a starting offensive lineman. That's what that's what that trade basically consisted of. Not we traded a third year fifth round some upside wide receiver for a starting caliber guard like that's 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 the one piece on that on that trade side of it i understand what you're saying like listen if the giants internally look at sills and say hey this guy is all of a sudden like he's really come on he's really developed and we think that there there's there's going to be value here there's upside for him here i understand that and that would certainly impact the way you look at darius slayton going forward right but if you're inside the room and you love Dar- like if the Giants really like Darius Slayton, then I know then I don't see trading him to get a guard in because you're only a year away from from Sterling Shepard being gone. And you're only, you know, a couple years away from Kenny Galladay being at the end of his con- You know what I mean? Like you're not that far away from needing to replace that. And you have Kadarius Tony and you're going to want to build for the future. But it's like theoretically, Darius Slayton is a part of the wide receiver core future. Someone who came in with Daniel Jones in the same draft class. You know, so I like I just think that. Again, this feels like more of a panic move than is necessary in this moment. It feels like they're saying, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. We only have four of the five offensive linemen that we kind of thought were going to be starting for us. And the fifth one is on his way back from a knee injury. Like, the knee injury is a concern, but (laughs) this is exactly what we thought. And the reason why, if the Giants are going to make a move like this, this is the the last point I'll make. I've been very long-winded today. But if the Giants are going to make a move like this, which means that they came into camp and just learned that one of these offensive linemen is not good enough. Then it's over. Then blow it up. <laughs> I, then it's over. And, the, I, and, the, and the, that's the problem here. And then yes. that's, you know, if that's the case, then you are right what they need to do. And it's a total travesty because it means you drafted all these guys last year. You had them all last season. You've had them all off season. You went into the draft, you traded back. You didn't take, Rashawn Slater and stay at the top end of the draft there. You went and took a wide receiver in the first round. You traded back and took a defensive player in the second round. You traded up and took a defensive player in the third round. You took a defensive player in the fourth round. So you said, we don't need offensive starting linemen. That's what you told everyone, include yourselves, the entire fan base, the entire league. So if you go make a move like this, then it's an absolute disaster. And I'll, I, for all the ups and downs that have been Dave Gettleman over the years, this would be the straw that breaks the back for me if that's the case. And I have a really hard time thinking that with Joe Judge now in the room, that could possibly be the case. But Adam, here's the thing. Everything you just said is the real. I'm like, yes, yes. Well, I mean, listen, in, in, in week one of the preseason, how many starters did we have out there? Right. We had, we had we had on the offensive line. How many starters did we have out there? Wasn't Shane Lemieux was was basically the only oh, one that. Yeah. All but one. And it didn't look good. And like we could say but that, I, but I disagree with that though too. But Thomas but tr- looked good that game. Nick Gates no. looked good that game. Lemieux looked good that game. Pert did not look good. Wiggins yeah. did not look good. Who was filling it? Wiggins did not look good. Andrew Thomas was good. Pert was not great. No. Well, clearly, Wiggins was a mess. Hernandez, they said, was fine, adequate. They, no one, yeah, no yeah. one's going to give him stars it. and stripes. Yeah. But in training camp, the offensive line has been a little bit of a mess. We've had, we've had, we've had coaches be, had to fill in in certain spots to just like hold people off with like no helmet on because because of injuries and other things. What what I'm saying to you is if we have acknowledged after the second preseason game like oh, our plan and our strategy is not going to work because this offensive line isn't ready, 
would you rather them just go down with the ship, like the violins on the Titanic, and just say, well, we made our bed, let's lay in it? Or do we just say, we made a mistake, we have to course correct right now. And while a guy like Slayton is someone that we see in our future plans, like we could get the 75 cents on the dollar to fill in behind him is David Sills. And we can try to just plug the hole and, and, and like try to fix this offensive line. Me, I prefer them to try to just do something, anything. But I will say, I am not saying that, that we are on the Titanic and we have hit the iceberg just yet. There is the opportunity for Shane Lemieux to get healthy, to to try to get some consistency across this line. There is cuts from other teams where they've brought in a a surplus of guards or they drafted a few six-rounders that look great. Maybe we get lucky and one or two of them can come in and even compete for for a starting guard position. Those two things will happen first before we ever need to pull the trigger and make a trade and give up one of our younger guys where, you know, and this is the last thing I'll say on this, is, yes, I'm talking about guys like Pettis and CJ Board and Austin Mack and Sills. Because they don't really have that much value to other teams as much as someone like Darius Slayton does. We can't give up someone like Sterling Shepard, who is well-liked in the organization. We're expecting 100 catches from this guy, big things from him. He's too valuable to the team that if you were to give him up, the player that would be filling in behind him is 30 cents on the dollar. Whereas if you if you were to end up trading Darius Slayton, maybe it's 75 cents on the dollar. And that's what Art is basically saying is like, it's not that we don't think Darnay Holmes and Slayton are, are part of the future plans. It's that our, our, our vision of the offensive line and what we thought we were going to get, if it's broken, then we probably have to give up someone we like in order to fix it. Well, I'll tell you right now, if Kadarius Tony was healthy and in camp and the Giants were at the point of needing to make a move, Sterling Shepard is exactly the guy that they'd be trading because he has so much more value and Kadarius Tony is the one-for-one replacement on the roster. And I'm not saying that I want that, that they should do that or anything anything of that nature, but that's the older player in a contract year that you're probably not bringing back. He's the guy that you trade to get a player back in return. Maybe you throw a draft pick in there from next year in order to get the, the, the roster piece that you need. Because what you're saying is, and by the way, Shepard has been, everyone's loved him in camp. He looks phenomenal. So this is nothing that I'm talking about doing, but Darius Slayton is like kind of regarded as as being in the same vein. Like he's like a young man, Sterling Shepard, as far as organizational appeal. Everyone likes him. He says all the right things. He works hard. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's where I think, and then this is, it'll get off the rails to say like, well, this guy is obviously a great character guy. Darius Slayton isn't, you know what I mean? Like you get into these like weeds on these things and is, has Darius Slayton shown himself to be the caliber of Sterling Shepard? No, not at this yet at this point of his career, but go back and kind of check the stat numbers so far. Like, Darius Slayton is in the same path as far as production that, that Sterling Shepard has provided for the Giants. I, Again, maybe everything's going to come off the rails. Maybe it's all a total disaster. But I, I just I have to believe that the Giants had a, a, a path in mind and that they need to stay that course. And to your point, it, it, whatever it means for the GM, for the coaches, for John Mayer and everything else, if you come out of this second preseason game and it doesn't look so healthy for the starter reps, yeah, it's a problem. But and. The very last piece I'll say is, um, remember, Daniel Jones isn't playing and Saquon Barkley isn't playing and Kenny Galladay isn't playing. And you can go in and look at individual matchups across the line, but it's also a tricky game to say, oh, they shut down the run and then that made the passing game harder for Mike Glennon. By the way, it was Devontae Booker. We won't get into that today, but you know, like all all of these things do play a factor. And that's why I think I say third preseason game when you're going to get the biggest sample size of all the starters for the Giants based on how Joe Judge is approaching it. 
it's late. It's late in the year, but that's when you're going to know what it is or what it is not. And and maybe it'll be August 24th and we'll be going, oh boy, this is going to be an adventure, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's a shame. And that would be a real shame. Adam, I will I will finish this off for us and and get and say, at the end of the day, if you were to put Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley in the backfield of the next preseason game, what is the one word that you would be thinking in your mind when they're getting ready to snap it during the next preseason game? One word. It's going to be so obvious. What, what is your one word? Anxiety. I'd be like, oh, oh. I'd be like, nice. is Daniel Jones going to look the part? Is Saquon Barkley healthy? Is this offensive line going to make sure that neither of these guys gets killed? Right? Like, I'd know. be like, I'd be like holding onto the table. Like, please, just like yeah. keep them upright. Like, just don't let them get killed. Like, you know. And 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 so for me, I just think it's a good thing that some of these guys aren't out there because I don't want yeah. them getting destroyed in preseason. Uh, until we get to game one against the Broncos. And that's again, we're, we're, you know, we're, that's why I think it's a bit of an overreaction. Everyone, everyone's reading the tea leaves when we have 30% of our starters on the field. Uh, as, Sunday will be the the game against the, the Browns. Obviously, they've had the joint practices, no fighting involved. There are a lot of fighting around the league in these joint practices. I like that these guys are just getting working. Just quickly, uh, anybody that you're looking forward to, uh, you know, let's say, let's assume Shane Lemieux, if he does play, obviously we're going to watch him. But any other names that you want to see get the, the next level of reps here in, in, Preseason game number two. Uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm sticking with Sills. Like, I just want to see him continue to look good because it, it, you know everything said that in in camp that he's he's been everything we want. Game one, he looked the part. He looked like he could be a competent starter in this league. If he's shown it again, he's basically putting his his flag in the ground, and saying I deserve a roster spot. And like, you're, I'm I'm going to make very tough this a very tough decision for. Gettleman and Joe Judge. Like, I'm going to continue to watch him. I'd love to see Aaron Robinson out there at some point to see what he's got. But, uh, you know, in all honesty, on the, on the second, in the secondary, Rodarius Williams, I'd like to see him bounce back mm-hmm. and be more training camp Rodarius Williams than the few times he got burned in, in game one, Rodarius Williams. Yeah, baptism by fire there. Footnote, uh, David Sills is 25 years old, just in case anyone thinks this is a plucky young rookie that's come into the camp or something. We know he was here last year and bounced around a little bit, but. He, again, he's in his mid-20s, so you know something takes a little while to crack what you can be in your potential, but this is not a Kadarius Tony. All of a sudden, we have two young 22-year-olds running around on the field for us. Just something to keep in mind when we consider about where we want to go versus what we have currently on the roster. Uh, yeah, likewise, I mean, listen, I want Ellerson Smith to get out there. I think that that's a dynamic that needs to start to be seen because he does represent some level of depth there. And I'll be watching Aziz Ojolari. I, I think it's good just to see here. Whatever reps he gets, can he still show that? Can he show a little bit of strength, right? Can he fight through different versions, whether it's size in front of him or using speed? I'd like to see a little exposure of that combination. And I'll be watching my boy Carter Coughlin, as everybody already knew. You can follow us. Go ahead. What, what, what? I was just going to say, and we'll, and we'll end it. I know that you'll keep a keen eye on, on my boy and now soon to be your boy, Ryzen John, if he can get out there. Oh, hey, listen. listen <laughs> okay. Number, number 44 in the playbook. Number Number one in my heart. Number two, Carter Coughlin's first. You can follow us on social media, One Giant Podcast. Uh, you can also, of course, subscribe, follow, rate, review the podcast wherever you get those needs fulfilled. We'll be back again in on Monday, breaking down what we saw on the Sunday preseason game. And who knows? We will be talking about more cuts. Got to get down to 80 is the next step. Who else could be available out there on the market? Probably some good depth players across the offensive line. <laughs> we will... Uh... Talk to you again soon. And as Andy Makowitz would want, need, and demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.